Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's episode, Brave Maeve. I'm talking today with Megan, who's Maeve's mom. Megan has an incredible following on Facebook, and she's an amazing advocate for type 1 diabetes. Today we're going to talk about living with type 1 diabetes, being the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes, and how Megan and Maeve raise money and awareness for type 1. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. Speaking of bold with insulin, t-shirts are still available at juiceboxpodcast.com, but they are going fast. This episode is because of one of you. I received a message from someone who said, I want to be more involved with advocacy. I want to raise money. I want to know what to do, but I have no idea where to begin. But I do see this person out in the world, Megan, and she's so good at it. Would you get her on and ask her about it? I said, absolutely. And here she is. You guys ask. I come through. Of course, I didn't really talk to her that much about it, but you know how the podcast goes. I got around to it before we were finished. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is brought to you by Dexcom and Omnipod. Please go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox for more. My name is Megan Hollinger. Um, my daughter Maeve, uh, better known as Brave Maeve, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 1 and she is now 7. So that's how I am in this um world. This is how you got drug on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So, wow, one, one, like literally one year old or just? She was 17 months. Wow, that's crazy. Arden was a couple weeks after her second birthday and I thought that was young. I know. I know. We were just at the endo uh, the other day and they said they had a new 15 month old and it feels like a, a bullet, a taking a bullet every time I hear of a new diagnosis, but especially a baby. It's difficult. Now, you did it six years ago. Did you have any kind of technology at diagnosis, or were you? how were you managed um, since then? Well, we, um, our first doctor kind of really was not very progressive and said that Maeve couldn't go on the pump until she was eight years old. And I was like, that is insane. And then we changed to a teaching hospital, and they had her on the pump within six to eight weeks. Um, and then when she was about two, we got an off-label prescription to get the CGM. But at the time, it was the Dexcom 7. And the insertion was just so upsetting for her that we stopped using it. And when the next generation came out, we got an off-label prescription again because it still wasn't FDA-approved in um, children. Kids, yeah. and, it's, and she's been on ever since. That's a 7 plus you started with? Yeah, I think that's where we started too. I, I, yes. the, the oval kind of receiver that looked like an egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just—it wasn't accurate enough to put her through that torture at the time. For the seven. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I only know the products since seven plus, but I've heard that from other people. Like it was a work in progress at that point. So it was. Yeah. It was, and then the next generation that came out, it was like, oh my gosh, how, how did we live without this? Yeah. And now I still feel, how could we ever live without this? Have you have you ever gone back to the endo that told you that there was a rule that they had to be eight years old? And that, that was it's an interesting statement. Like, it seems so random. Like, no, not until they're eight. No. We, I never went back to her. Maeve ended up being hospitalized one more time. And then, of course, she was the on-call doctor. <laughs> so that was a little <laughs> embarrassing. Um, but she's since taken on another partner who is much more progressive. I think she was forced to move with the times. Yeah. Oh, now I'm so interested to hear that you were in the hospital and then she walked yes, in the room. <laughs> it was so awkward. It was so awkward. And I was apologizing for quitting her. Did you really? But Yeah. Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> because, but to be honest, at the time I took me, we went, we live in Florida. Mm -hmm. We went up and down the coast. I, we went to Fort Lauderdale. We went to Gainesville. We ultimately ended up at a doctor in Miami. But I think in truth, I was trying desperately to find someone to fix her. That's why I didn't like any of these endos. None of them could fix her. And then when I finally got to the point where I realized she couldn't be, she wasn't broken in a way that I could fix her. Love couldn't fix her enough. These doctors couldn't fix her that we just had to kind of coexist with diabetes and stop fighting it. 
that's when life got better and I found the doctor that I liked. Yeah. But I just wonder if really I had progressed through and the other doctors weren't the problem I was. Yeah. Isn't that funny? So, it, well, all right, first of all, let's say the one that said you couldn't have the pump till you were eight, they were right. a problem. But but she definitely was a problem. She was definitely a problem. But, <laughs> but after that, I think I might have been the problem. You, you, <laughs> I'm the problem. Um, yeah. You know, I get that. Like, so you just, was it a, was it a real conscious thought or do you think it was just in your heart where you were like, I'm going to find somebody who's going to tell me that, oh, the rest of the world doesn't understand and we can just cure this now? It's, uh, I think it was a kind of a ridiculous thought now that I look back, but mm. I just felt like the people before me just must not have worked hard enough. They must not have loved their kids enough. They just must not have done, gone to walk to the ends of the earth yeah. until I started meeting more and more people with children with type 1 diabetes who had done this same walk or even greater walks um, to try and, you know, find that ultimate, you know, cure. Um, but I think it took, we went to the Diabetes Research Institute for a tour and one of the researchers who had type 1 himself, um, he took me on the tour. And at the end, I was like, so when do you think there'll be a cure? And he looked at me and looked, you know, he almost looked like a balloon deflated. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is the worst part of my job. He said, there will never be a silver bullet. Um, the diabetes is such a multifaceted disease that it, there will never be a silver bullet. And I think that's what I had been looking for for these months and months, like for someone to tell me, there's a silver bullet. I'm going to help you find it. And this is how long it's going to take. Yeah. I always think of it as like a light switch cure. Like somebody, you just want somebody yes. to flip a switch and for it to be over. Yes. And, but to be honest, that was a really hard day, sure. but it was when like, I felt like my new life began where I accepted diabetes and we moved forward because really I wasn't moving forward before. I hate uh, what I call cure season. So there's, yeah. there's a time a year when researchers need to say, Hey, look what I've accomplished because they need more money. And right. so they get a little like, you know, they, they find their local news outlets or whatever they can do. And, um, I remember the first cure season that rolled around after Arden's diagnosis. It had only been a few months. And, and I saw that, you know, they had cured type one diabetes in, in a lab mouse. And I actually thought, oh, how lucky is Arden to have gotten diabetes right at the end of diabetes? I know. You, you know, this know. is, this is wonderful. Mm -hmm. We'll probably just be doing this for a few more weeks. And, yeah. and, um, and then you realize that you're just the latest, you know, mm -hmm. you're just the latest member of this crappy um, you know, yeah. club and, and that the people yeah. have been doing this since the 19, you know, whatever's, uh, and not, yeah, you, know, and you hadn't you know, been clued in yet. I didn't know anything secret. about it. I know. Yeah. yeah. I knew nothing about it. And, and so, oh my God, when Go she hit her, um, w when she was, she'd have a really good, uh, like honeymoon day. I once, I'm very, very good friends with our pediatrician and I called him and I, I remember saying, I'm going to say something. I said, Adam, I'm going to say something really crazy. And I said, mm -hmm. I, I need you to stop me. And he goes, okay. I said, I don't think Arden has diabetes. I, I, rem I know. Yeah. It's almost like <laughs> talking to a mirror, if that makes any sense, when of you course. talk to somebody else who's been through the yeah. same thing. It's, it's just, it's so crazy. Yeah, there's been a couple times when she had a stomach flu where I was like, oh my gosh, it's like she doesn't have diabetes. <laughs> it's and you have, to, uh, you have to convince yourself that you know that's not true. Right. Yeah, those are the days you just those are the closest you come to a cure. Is the day you yeah. don't, the day you don't need a bolus for anything. Right. It really is right. crazy how like freeing yeah. that day is too. By the way, except for the pressure that you're like you know it's going to stop at some point. Right. And or you, am I going to have to go to the hospital at some point? Yeah, because it's going to be so low, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So ooh, I just but I just don't get to backtrack for one second. So you mm -hmm. had an endo who gave you yes. really bad advice about when you could have a pump, and you yes. left the practice. Maeve, Maeve has to go back into the hospital for something, and that woman walks through the door into your room, and yes. you just turn into a little kid and start apologizing. You're just like, "I'm so sorry." Like, how did they? Oh. How did she handle that? She, I have to say, she was very graceful. Um, she was she was gracious about it. I am a people pleaser at heart and don't like to hurt anyone's feelings, so it was even hard for me to to leave the practice because okay. I felt like I'm betraying someone who I really don't even know. That's funny. 
But in those first few days after diagnosis, she was very available to me. I was able to contact her. And, you know, it's such a vulnerable time. So then to feel like I barely even gave her a chance, I felt so guilty. But, yes, I was like, I'm so sorry. I just felt like we needed to go to a teaching hospital and that I had, had diarrhea of the mouth. Did your, it was a disease. Your husband, <laughs> it was did your husband hide in a corner or was he not there? He said nothing. He felt no guilt at all. Good He's for him. kind of one of those people that... <laughs> We will do what's best for Maeve, and it doesn't matter what anybody else oh, thinks. Thanks. And I kind of care what people think. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you a question about that? Like, in hindsight, yeah. you're six years later. If you're diagnosed today and she says, well, there's no pump till you're eight, do you think you would have just said, well, no, that's not okay? Like, do you, would you have pushed back now? Guys, this is the end of the year. You have a great chance right now. You don't have a copay. You've used up all your copay. You paid it already this year. Now's the time to be buying medical supplies. If you've been thinking about changing from injections or switching your pump, now is the perfect time to go to the Omnipod. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You'll fill out a tiny bit of information. Omnipod will send you out a demo pod. It's a non-functioning demo pod, but you can wear it and see what you think of it. After that, you make the decision, you move forward. Omnipod's going to help you get through the whole thing with no problem. You know, if you don't like it, no harm, no foul, don't worry about it. But if you do like it, you know what I mean? Any costs that might be involved get swallowed up by your insurance because you've already paid all of your copay. Am I making sense right now? It's the middle of December. It's a hard time to be thinking about stuff like this, but it's a smart time to be thinking about stuff like this. I was just speaking to someone just literally minutes ago, and we were talking about all the benefits that come with pumping. You know, uh, being able to change your basal rates, being able to make multiple boluses around a meal if, you know, you need a little bit of a pre-bolus, but you need a little more later, things that you would be hesitant to do with injections, you can do without thinking with an Omnipod. And don't forget what the Omnipod offers that no one else does. It's tubeless. You are not tethered to a controller. There's not something hanging from your belt or jammed in your bra or shoved in your pocket. This is the insulin pump that Arden's been using since she is four years old. And it is how we make the great adjustments we do to keep our A1C where they are. Please consider the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more. And now we'll find out if Megan would have made a different decision nowadays. Yes. I, and I give that advice to, to newly diagnosed people um, that I say, if you aren't sure about the doctor, you should doctor shop. Don't feel like that you have to be married to the doctor who took care of your child in um, in, in the, the hospital. Yeah, yeah, because right. I do think you find you almost feel an allegiance to them. And yes, and I push back against the doctors all the time now, yeah, yeah. which still isn't comfortable for me, but I'm so much more well-educated that I'm more comfortable doing it. I wish people could be in my in my doctor's visits with, with Arden. I just, I, 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 you would probably just think I was crazy. I, I don't even like, there's no veneer of even like my concern for anyone else. I was, I'm just like, Oh no, no, we're not doing that. That's ridiculous. Um, or, or I, I, I like when they're like, are you going to bring logs in? I'm like, no, never. That's never going to happen. Just yeah. so you're aware. I'm well, not we gonna- did leave another practice because they wanted me to fax logs. And now I'm like, that's funny the faxing threw you off you're like i'm not doing that you people are way behind the time yeah i I, was like then i left that (laughs) brain it's funny i've never i don't think i've ever once written down something that arden's eaten or how much insulin i've given her even just i i would and somebody if somebody pressured me about it which they had in the past i was just like you just need to know i'm not going to do that so yeah yeah, if that's going to be a problem yeah, we should probably we should part ways. Now. Yeah, <laughs> part ways now. but it's funny how how so much of what we accept is the is the pot roast thing, right? Like the I've, I've now yeah. ended up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like why did why did why why do we cut the ends off the pot roast before we put it in the pan? It turns out your great great grandmother's pan was small. And well, you, that's you, what I yeah right, yeah right. <laughs> I was just gonna say my parents thought doctors were gods, mm-hmm. and so and priests, and so you you do what they say. Right. Yeah. And I was raised like that kind of, but as I got older and I became more educated, I realized maybe they're actually not that much smarter than me. Right. I I say it here all the time. It's uh, police officers, teachers, and doctors. We're just, we're we're told as children, these people, you listen to them blindly. You, they know better than you They're And I always say with the exception of putting up your hands, when a cop asks you to the rest of it, you should, you should wonder about a little bit. Yeah. You you know? Yeah. 
Well, good for you. That's that's very yeah. nice. So now, so you come out, and here's what I'm hearing: you have all of this heart and soul for Maven. You're just—is she your first child, or she's my our fourth? Your oh Jesus, you yeah. have a litter of children. Yeah, she's. Yeah. I can't even believe you cared by the time that you were probably, I I can't believe you weren't like, oh, the fourth one has diabetes. What are we going to (laughs) do? Let's have three more. I know. I I say diabetes is my fifth child and we probably would have had one more had she not been diagnosed. But, and, and now that we're at homework and, um, devices, I'm so glad we did not have a fifth. Oh my gosh. Can you? Can you just tell people who don't have children yet the biggest secret of being an adult is that your children's homework is maybe oh. the worst thing in your life. And oh, just, my gosh. I say someone cries every day at homework, and sometimes it's me. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> and very true. Yeah, I just – sometimes it's like later at night when you're just like, oh, are you done yet? Like, please, yes. like, you just go to bed. I don't even care. Fail. It doesn't matter to me anymore. Yes. Like, stop. Oh, it's the worst thing. Yeah, if you have, we have these fights. I'm not signing your reading log. You didn't read. It's just torture. For young people, young people right now, two of the biggest yes. mistakes in the world you can make, uh, getting a dog and having a kid. That, oh, that's, I, I'm always trying to talk to you your life would be so much better without those two things. Yeah. If yes. you're hearing me right now and you think, oh, no, that's not true, you just don't know yet. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, We're gonna, half kidding. We're only half kidding. Megan, Megan, I'm going to sound a little sexist for a half a second. I like when young guys tell me they're getting married. And I always say, oh, are you, are you tired of being happy? And then they, um, <laughs> then they laugh and they go, you don't understand. Then they, they utter the words. She's not like that. And I was no. like, no, no, no. She's like that. You're like that. We're all like that. I yeah. say, wait, wait till you say. Um, but then there's yeah. So my much husband going. calls me Naggedy Ann. <laughs> that could be the title of this episode. Um. Okay. Well, it served me well in many facets of my life, diabetes included. I imagine. So I'll take that that uh, nickname. <laughs> yeah. So, but so here you are with all this. Just you know, you have all of this desire and. You know, we all know the feeling. There's nowhere to really point it because Mm-mm. you're not a doctor, you're not a scientist, et cetera. Now, so let me tell them that 15 minutes in, I'm going to tell you why you're on the podcast. You know, but the people listening don't know. So I I hear from people all the time. Like I'll, I've said before, I would have no idea who Dr. Ponder was if it wasn't for the people listening to this podcast who are like, you, you really should have this guy on the program. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and I've had people reach out periodically and they're like, I want to do more fundraising and more um, advocacy, but I don't really know how. And I always hear that and I think, oh, I don't know how much I can really add to that. I've done some, but I haven't been great about it. But somebody reached out recently and said, I want to know more about advocacy. You need to talk to Maeve's mom. That's the person I want to hear from. And I was like, wow, that's a very specific ask for the podcast. And I said, okay. (laughs) And then I hunted you down and here you are. Yes, that's so, I'm I'm flattered. Um, I don't consider myself an epic um, fundraiser. Um, I, in the beginning, I was Maeve's advocate. I was selfish in that way where I really only cared about her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then as time went on and we went to the Children with Diabetes Conference and there were a thousand kids in the room with type 1, that was when I kind of had that, you know, Oprah aha moment where I was like, oh, this is so much bigger than just our family. And where I start to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And so, and so where did you, so you have a really, I'm, I'm terrible at social media. So for anybody who knows my, my blog's 10 years old, but for like the first couple of years, you couldn't even Google it. Like it was the worst kept secret on the internet. And, and, um, and I'm just, I've never been good at it. I'm sort of a, I'm a guy. I don't really, I I don't want to break anyone's heart. It's not my goal to be on Facebook, but I do it. I do it because I see how valuable it is. Um, yes. and you know, and that kind of stuff, but I don't, I'm never good at it. I just, I'm just never good at, it. but you're good at it. Like, so <laughs> thank so, you. I only have Facebook and people keep pressuring me, Instagram, Twitter, but I really barely can manage the one social media that I have. Exactly. And so Facebook is it for me. <laughs> I just reached out yesterday to somebody on Instagram who has like tens of thousands of followers who are all like diabetes related. And she basically blogs on Instagram. I'm like, you have to come on the podcast and explain that to me. Cause I don't in any meaningful way understand what you're doing or because it, se- it seems amazing, but I want to yeah. know more about it, you know? So, so you, you just started a Facebook page because it was likely the thing uh, to do at the time, right? A friend actually kind of pressured me to do it. Okay. Um, she said, you should start a Facebook page about 
um, about Maeve and, and type 1 diabetes. And I was like, ugh, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of hard because at the time people kept wanting updates on her diagnosis and how she was doing. And I, I couldn't keep up on updating our family and friends. So it was a way to do that. And then I start I, when I first started, I wrote it kind of in in the person that she was speaking, but mm. that just got way too hard. Yeah. Um, and then I, when I started to write it from my own perspective, was when I feel like people really, especially parents of type ones, um, appreciated the honesty. Yeah, I I, I find that. Yeah, you know, I always people would always say to me, "Oh, your blog's about your daughter." And I'm like, "My blog's not about my daughter. It's about me." It, yes, it's about me same. being the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes. Like mm -hmm. She almost never appears on it. As a matter of fact, there used to be a photo of her at the top. And when she got old enough to, uh, to have an opinion about it, it's like the first thing she said to me. She's like, I don't care what you talk about. You can share anything about how we manage and all that stuff. She's like, but I need my, my picture off of there. And, hmm. I, and I said, why? She goes, I don't like looking like a baby on the internet. Aww. And I was like, okay, I get that. And so, like, even sometimes people are like, is she going to come on the podcast? And I ask her once in a while, but she just laughs at me. She's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it just, it's, not, it's just not for – I'm the advocate. She, right. She's not. That's right. She, she's an advocate by being okay with people sharing stuff about her. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that's great, actually. But, but so you open up a Facebook page. You are – listen, the kid's cute. Like, let's not take that away from her. Maybe yeah, it's adorable. That probably helps. Listen, your writing might be terrible. They might just be like, look how cute that kid is. And yeah. I always think that's how my blog worked out. They, they were just Me like, too. look at that adorable kid. I think the cute pictures of her helped a whole lot. I would imagine. And every year she gets older, I'm like, oh, she's not cute, as cute or as funny <laughs> or as nice as she used to be. This people are gonna, this is going to get old, but they haven't grown too old of her yet. Not, well, see, that's really my other point. You don't point. live with her. You, have, you don't live with her yet. Listen, I, I got a lovely note from a woman yesterday about her A1C and the podcast and everything. I said, oh, that's really nice. I showed my wife. She's like, yeah, she doesn't know you. And I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> but, but, you're, but you're not just here's how I, here's why I'm really impressed with your Facebook page. You don't have a crazy amount of followers, but you have a crazy amount of engagement. And that's, yes, we have a loyal, I would say loyal yes, followers. Yeah. Yeah. For yes. real. Um, and do you think that just is because it started at the beginning and they, are they vested? Do you believe? I or? think so. I think so. I get, so I get message from messages from people asking how she's doing pe messages from people asking if they can send her a little gift for her birthday. Wow. Um, messages from people saying you haven't posted in a while. Is everything okay? So yeah, I think people have gotten vested and I, it seems like the more raw the posts, the more engagement there is. Um, and that's kind of why I never blogged and why I never, you know, people are like, you need to get advertisers, you need to do this, was I really only wanted to write when I felt compelled to write, mm -hmm. which unfortunately now seems to be less and less. And I think it's probably because I've learned to cope better in other ways with yeah. the diabetes. Writing was a coping mechanism. For sure. And now I've, I've found other ways that aren't as time consuming. Yeah. I, guess, to, I, uh, I definitely believe. Cope. I, I talk about sometimes like how we ended up at the podcast and it, it was always just a transformation because in the beginning it really, I it was like raw nerve blogging. It was like, Oh my God, this just happened to me. And then people would react to it because it was happening to them too. But there was this point where I just thought, is this really valuable? Like us just saying this sucks together. Like, I mean, I guess it is on yeah. some level, but like I wanted it to do more for people. And then then I, that's how it progressed because I was like, I don't think this is enough. Like I, I would like to do a little more and then it built up and built up. And then one day when I just finally got good at this, I thought, well, I should tell people like maybe, yeah. maybe I could fast forward them from that terrible place I was to here. Like yes, maybe that, that would help. two years, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it sucks. It's like, it's the beginning. Like I, I always think if I could just make that time, not, not impact yes. people the same way. I, I would feel very accomplished about that, you, you know. I know, and when I—that's one of the things when I hear of another diagnosis, I feel it takes me back, and I—I I hate that feeling yeah, yeah. of going back. But at the same time, it makes me a little sad that I'm almost forgetting what our life was like before. Speaking of before, before Dexcom, I didn't know which way Arden's blood sugar was moving. I would test her and say, "Oh, her blood sugar is 130." 
but that information is sort of not helpful because is it 130 and stable? Is it rising? Is it falling? Is it falling really fast? Is it rising really fast? Uh, I didn't know because I couldn't see. But now with the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, I'm aware of what her blood sugar is doing when I need to know. It's amazing. Right now, Arden's blood sugar is 114 and it is stable. She's at school. I know that because I just glanced up and looked. That's it. Do you like that idea? Of course you do, because it brings a peace of mind that wraps around you like a warm Christmas blanket next to the fire. Those of you who don't celebrate Christmas, it just wraps around you like a warm blanket by a fire. Dexcom is amazing. It's available for Android and iPhone because, you know, maybe you don't want to carry their receiver and you have these phones, so you just put the app on your phone, you don't need the receiver. Also, that's how the share and follow apps work. Maybe your kid's wearing the Dexcom and you're following along on your follow-up, as I am. Maybe it's your daughter who lives halfway across the country and she's 25 and she's by herself and she says, Mom, I really wish you could just see my blood sugar when I'm sleeping. That's possible with the Dexcom. Also, it's possible to make adjustments to your blood sugar. Oh my gosh, you guys, everything I talk about on this podcast is, is that. It's seeing what's happening and reacting, not waiting to have something happen and then chasing. If you're ahead of your blood sugar, I always say act, don't react. Dexcom's a huge part of that. All you have to do is go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box to get started. I genuinely think you're going to love it. But now let's get back to the podcast where I talk about something I don't particularly love. Here's a thing that bothers me I don't talk about very often, but this concept that you have to live in the muck for a while to really understand diabetes, just in case mm -hmm. your CGM stops working one day, I don't believe in that at all. I think you can learn about diabetes while you're taking advantage of technology. Like I, I, I agree. I really don't, I don't like, like people who say that you should be on injections for a certain amount of time. You should live without the CGM before. That's like saying we should go back to, or we should wash clothes on a board yeah, right. before learning, you, before using our washing machine. Do you want to really appreciate your car? Walk to work for a year. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Wow, I, I, I totally agree <laughs> with you there. Yeah. And, so, and there's a lot of people who were, whose children were diagnosed a long time ago who say that you should have to do XYZ. Yep. Because it's in what, the, right, it, it's in what the they event did. of a failure. Yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. In the event of a failure, you are going to need to know more than you maybe would know if you never saw it before. But everybody still goes through that. Your pump stops working yeah. or your, your site yeah. gets messed or the CGM says your, you know, your blood sugar is 915 and it's really two. Like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there's that mm -hmm. stuff happens. The technology is not perfect. I no. just really, I, I so. You know, one of the ways I've stayed in this in, this uh, this space so long, and, and I don't think I've made too many like enemies, is I, there are things I see online where I'm like, oh, I could ruin myself right here. You, you know, I, I I would love to jump yeah. into this one and be like, please stop saying this to people. But yeah, but and and some people who say it who I really respect too, they just they're they're mired down in in that specific situation. If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me say all the time, you do not want to look up. And realize the way you're doing it is how they did it 10 years ago. Like, that's right. it's a bad place to be. You, you know? Right. So, I, I'm, that's I cool to hear you say it. So, okay. So, you start this Facebook page. Mm -hmm. But then you start fundraising for JDRF? Yeah. Okay. But you do it in like a million. Like, do you have a, you even have something coming up now, which. Like, are we you, do. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you're constantly doing stuff. So, tell me how that all kind of started. Again, by accident, um, our friends held this big fundraiser for Maeve right after she was diagnosed. Um, you know, people want to do something, and, and I have a friend who's really good at that. Reached out to a restaurant, got all these donations, and did this big, wonderful fundraiser. And it was amazing, but it was specifically for us. Uh, and I was very uncomfortable with that. Again, I was raised by, you know, Catholic parents who you didn't ask people for money. You, you didn't ask for help. You did what you needed to do. Even to this day, I've never asked my parents for money. They've given me money, but I've never had to ask, thankfully. Mm. And it was just, you know, really inbred. So asking for money just seemed like such a crazy concept. Even when we had to like sell magazines or chances as kids, we were only ever allowed to do it to our family. No knocking on doors, no asking anybody else. <sighs> So I, I want to jump in for a second and tell you that yeah. Arden's school sent home like coupon books the other day oh. and, they, and they were like, you know, yeah. sell two of these and 
it'll knock off fifty dollars from your trip cost this year. And I I I put them right back in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> I took them over to the school and I was like, here. Uh, I'll just give you the fifty dollars. Please, <laughs> yes. please don't make me go ask people to buy these books. You, you know, Absolutely. Like, yeah. So no, my no. poor kids, I don't let them do anything like that, especially because our family is constantly fundraising. I cannot, I cannot take on any other <laughs> fundraising. Oh, that's um, exactly how I stopped, like actively trying to raise money for the JDRF because there was this time I remember looking at someone in the face and I was like, hey, you know. It's like the fifth year I'd been doing it. And I, they look back at me like, wait, no one's cured this yet? Like, yeah. that kid still has diabetes? Like, how many? Yeah. You, oh, my God, are you going to come back to me for the rest of my life? Like, I could see yeah. that look on their face, you know? And I was like, all yeah. right, uh, I'll try to yeah. help in other ways, maybe. Yeah. Well, I've been lucky. I haven't really, I anticipate that experience, but it hasn't really happened yet. Um, Good, yeah. But to go back, so I, they, they did that event, and then people start to ask me, are you going to have another event this year? And, you know, we're a year in at this point. Not that people forget, but people weren't clamoring to hold a fundraiser for us. And I was like, oh, people are kind of expecting me to do something. And so I signed up for our walk and we started a fundraiser. So that's kind of where we began. I feel like I was kind of peer pressure pushed into it. (laughs) (laughs) that's funny and and so you just thought well they have this expectation i am a people pleaser let me please them and give them something back wow you i I, and the truth is that's one of the reasons i hold it year after year people look forward to it and ask me about it before before it's anywhere near right and so as long as that as long as that interest is there you're going to be involved like as yeah, far as that but goes. it is still so hard be, coming back year after year, like you said. Asking is so hard. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's when you're really overwhelmed in the beginning with that feeling, like somebody better cure this, then it's yes. easier. And, it and, is. and 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 by the way, it's 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 not just very expected. I've had conversations with people at the JDRF behind the scenes. This is this is what they know. This is true. You, you know, like in the first five years, people who want to help can, but they trickle off and their their oh, yeah. slacks picked up by the people who come in after them and it, it probably it's not unlike the rest of it like at some point you have to get back to your life you can't just spend yep. your whole life in this and and you that's know what I mean? true yeah, so I, I mean i always say like people are like oh the the stuff i hear on the podcast is so helpful i'm like you know you realize a lot of people know this stuff right like they just weren't like they just didn't hang around when it was when they got past it like i did that's all yeah and 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 I will say to you, like you call yourself a people pleaser, I'm, I, I have like a real caregiver mentality. So it, it just, it, it's, it, I, I have a hard time feeling like I could walk away from it. Like when I hear from, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like I got a little mm-hmm. note the other day from someone, and she was just like, she sent me both of her kids' graphs, and she's like, before I found your podcast, this never happened. Thank you. Aww. And, and it's, which is lovely, and I think it's. I know, and then you're like, I can never quit. How would I stop doing that? Because uh, there's going to be another the person. Event, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be another person who sends you something like that. Right. And Every year after the event, I'm like, that's it. That's my last year. I cannot do this again. <laughs> How long does and it take then, you to warm up to realize you're going to do it again? Oh, well, people laugh at me. They're like, you're good. I say every year I'm not going to do it again, and then I do. <laughs> I think what happens is I have these moments where I'm like, I'm out. I need a break. I can't do this. And then I look at Maeve and... I really, she never gets the break. She doesn't have the, like, I really do have the choice. So mm-hmm. this is a choice I make to do this. She doesn't have a choice. And just because I'm tired doesn't mean I should quit. Right. So you do, so what are some kinds of things you, you do? Like, so you, you said you have something at a restaurant where people come and I guess yeah. you're selling baskets and stuff like that right. and auctioning stuff. Right. So we hold an event every year in November, right around World Diabetes Day. And we're really fortunate to have a restaurant that provides us with the space and doesn't charge. So that's pretty amazing. Um, And I pride us on being an affordable fundraiser. We live in Palm Beach County where if you want to go to a fundraiser, it's $500 a plate. And so I I wanted to reach those people who just want to donate $20 um, because I feel like they're, they're being missed. And so we get tons of donations. This year we had about 70 um, donations for like the Chinese auction, you know, where you put the tickets in yeah. and then about 10 silent auction items. So you can come to this event for free. There's no cover charge and buy $20 worth of tickets. 
put them in and win or not, but feel like you did something. You can have a drink and that the restaurant gives back a portion of the drink. We sell t-shirts that night. So there's lots of ways to give in an inexpensive way and to feel like you're making a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's what people tell me. I walk away feeling like I helped. And and it's something that's accessible to everybody, not just people but, who have an incredible amount of money to throw around. Correct. Yeah. I, so, and that's what I feel like. I go, you know how people say go big? We yeah. actually go small. Go small. <laughs> we, and those $20, they really add up. Um, and it's, it's, it's been effective. I also try and do things that people would be doing anyway. So they might go out on a Friday night to go get a drink or get something to eat. So if I can capture that audience. That's really good. Um, yeah, now smart. this next event. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just I was going to say it's smart. It's it's you're not asking them to do something extra. They're just doing something right. they would normally do, but they're doing it with you. Exactly. And the t-shirts, like everybody loves a dry fit t-shirt. We kind of try and make a cool design. And now people ask every year, when's the new shirt come out? So again, I'm married to having to do that. <laughs> t-shirt design. <laughs> when will the new t-shirts be out? So people look forward to it. I got, I the got new- involved in that a little bit where somebody said, Hey, you, there's a saying on the podcast, like bold with insulin. And somebody said, can you make that into a t-shirt? And I was like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a nice idea. My wife's like, you know, you're starting like a business for yourself here. That's going to take your time up. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's so hard to, I always say I'm not an apparel store, but somehow I am an apparel store. I was in the post office yesterday and I realized now the woman at the post office doesn't even ask me how I want to send the packages anymore. She just, she flops them on the scale and she puts the things on and asks me for my money. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been here so much with these shirts. She doesn't even bother telling me this comes, you know, all the stuff they say, liquid, fragile, blah, blah, yes. all that. She just looks at me, takes the stuff and does it. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> wife was right. I made I made another thing for myself to do. Yes. Um, but but yeah. it, it is really nice to to know that somebody's been so moved by by something that got said on the podcast. They would really literally be willing to put it on themselves on a shirt, you, you know? So Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is, yeah. I, I was going to say, um, the one year I really, because I used to, you know, I don't know a lot of wealthy people. So I, you know, my donations were smaller when I got up to 15,000 one year for my JDRF walk. And I was really, wow. I was really impressed That's with a that. Because it was yeah. all just like through the blog stuff and everything. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, they, you know, I got invited to the like luncheon at, at the end of the, mm-hmm. of the, the season. And I went to the luncheon. They said, you know, you're one of the 10 people who raised the most this year in this, in this I was like, oh, this is really cool. So they, you know, the number 10 person came up in nine and eight. Every time they got past another one, I'm like, oh, I must have done, like, wow, this is great. I think number five, I got up there and I was like, this is something. And then they got to the first person who, ra- who raised like $15 million. And I was like, why am I doing this? I, was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know my 15 grand was still important, but that person lives in a different world than I do. Yeah, that, that all, absolutely. All, all they did was reach out to their friends too. You, you, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I was like, oh, like it was. They just have different friends. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like, oh gosh, I should be trying to make more money for my family <laughs> because it's expensive. We have four children. We we refinanced our mortgage this year just to have more cash available every month for copays. Yeah. Man. And part of me is like, should I be putting all this effort into a job that would like make money for the family? And then somehow I just always come back to wanting a better life for her. And if this even has a tiny, makes a tiny difference or makes it a, an hour sooner, mm-hmm. then I just can't stop. I, I I was always and have been driven by the idea that there was this, I probably told this story before, but I'll, I'll do it really quickly. There was this article, I forget where I read it in a newspaper, where there was a person on the train line coming down the Northeast Corridor out of New York they got to a stop. It was like five in the morning. The conductor was positive. This guy was drunk, kicked him off the train. Oh God. About an hour later, he's laying face down in the stones in the driveway of the train station. Somebody walks by who grew up with a person who had type one diabetes and probably saves this guy's life by recognizing that he's not a drunk. He's his blood sugar is really low. And I always yeah. think like, maybe I'll say or do something like that's how it started for me with the plot, the blog. I'm like, maybe we'll say or do something that one day will, in, you know, and very selfishly, like you said, mm-hmm. maybe my daughter will be laying face down somewhere one yep. day and someone will walk by that I touched and they'll yes. know, they'll know. Right. And that was the very first, 
that was one of the very first reasons why I, I did it. Like I thought, well, I'll, if I can't cure it, maybe I'll just, maybe I'll, I'll litter the world with spies to keep her healthy. Like, right. like it almost felt mm-hmm. like, you know, create advocates. Maybe um, everyone will start carrying glucose tabs. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Just in case. Right. And, and all that really is, is a real, it's an insight into your insane fear that you have when your kid's diagnosed, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but so that was just a, it was just a it was a good launching point for me. Like it was like okay, I'll, let me see if I can create more advocates. Is is kind of yeah. how I thought about it in the beginning. Um, yeah. I don't think of it the same way anymore. Now I think about I really do think more about. I just want people to be happy and healthy and get yeah. to a, and get to a good place faster. Like that's yeah. how it feels now. My my goal was really never to raise money. I just wanted to educate people mm-hmm. because even. Um, I used to be a registered dietitian, so I am lucky in a way that I, I had heads up in carb counting. Um, but even I, who had a lot of nutrition training and disease training, had no idea how difficult this life is. And if somebody had spent as much time in hospitals and around doctors as I did, had no idea, then of course, how could the general public know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just don't want people to discount how how much work it is to just get your day going. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just to get out the door. Like yes. it just is, is yes. insane. And sometimes I get a little frustrated when people are saying they can, they, my, my child can do anything. The truth is they can't and everybody can't do anything. You know what I mean? We all can't just do anything. And so sometimes I feel like putting that on them is almost a bad thing because then people, it diminishes how hard the disease really is. I mean, I don't want people pitying her, but I do want people to have some idea, glimpse into what life is like for her. This was the first year I, I had a private conversation with Arden's softball coach as we were, we were heading off. She was going off the play in this really, they were, they finished up just a couple games shy going to the little league world series. They were playing all summer long. It was really, it was a lot of fun for them. It was the first time I ever said to the coach, like, I'm always like, don't worry, she'll be okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's okay. We know what we're doing. It was always that, you know, if something goes wrong, here's what it'll be, but don't worry, you know, right. You don't want people to be afraid of them. And so you find yourself doing that. Yeah. This is the first time I think we rolled up in a practice a couple minutes late and I got sort of like the stink eye. And I, later we had a conversation. I said, you have no idea the effort, the Herculean effort of time and, and that Arden puts in two hours before her softball practice starts so that she can be there and, and ready and, and healthy to, to go to this practice. Most kids are, Hey, practices in 20 minutes, they go put their stuff on, they run out the door, they go up the street and they're on a field and they're doing it. My daughter starts thinking about a five o'clock practice at three o'clock about what to eat. You know, I need to eat now. I need to get my insulin in. I need to get it going so that it can get out and it can be done by the time and all this stuff. Like, you know, she's out there, when she walks away from her position, which happens to be near the dugout, she, and you guys take them out into the outfield to do something, she's the only one on the field who thinks, oh, I'm out of range of my Dexcom now. No one else thinks that. No one, no. Else, no one else walks out into the outfield and thinks, oh, gosh, I hope I don't pass out out here. Like, right. like, like you know, and, and as I was explaining it to him, you know, it just, it, you could see it. He was just, he's like, I didn't, he didn't know, you, you know, and. And we had a conversation about a week later because we're guys. He couldn't get all the his feelings out right away. And he said, you know, he's like, we were talking, we were talking about it. And he goes, I, he's like, I, I, I thought about it later. He said, I almost cried. He's like, and I, yeah. I, I didn't, I have no idea. And I was like, yeah, but I can't tell you that because I don't want her to get special treatment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want her to have special treatment. I want her to be, right. be herself and you to think of her not as diabetes. You need to think of her as Arden. Um, because yeah, you want empathy, not pity. And it's, it's such a fine line. Right. Because you also, if he, he ends up being a bad guy, he could take that empathy and turn it into, well, she can't do it. Right. You know, and, and then dis- mm-hmm. discount her right away. And I'm like, I said, you don't understand the, it's a balancing act. And, yeah. um, and meanwhile, I was like, maybe, geez, maybe I can get away with being late to practice again now that he knows this. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I never, we never were. It was just this one time that brought this conversation up. It was just, it was just interesting. So, so you have all these little, like you have a, like a miniature golf thing coming up. Is that, when is that? Right. When is so that the coming? one in November is, is for adults mostly. And so we always wanted to do something for kids. So we decided to have a golf t- tournament um, but on at a mini golf Funny, that's good. location. So it's foursomes of kids playing in an actual tournament. 
and we give out trophies at the end. Um, but also you can just come and play around mini golf and it's $25 and you get around a mini golf, you get lunch, there's a DJ, there's a face painter. And, um, so again, it's a day off of school. It's Martin Luther King. So it's something I'm always looking for something for my kids to do that day. Right. And so it's something that people can do. Um, but I often worry, oh my gosh, $25, because if it was me with my four kids, I probably wouldn't pay a hundred dollars for them to go mini golfing. Just tell me something on an event like that, just an, an average, if you're willing to say like, how much does that raise? Not nothing that nothing. barely covers anything barely where we covers. make the money is the whole sponsors. Okay. So there, you have to find other ways to, to make the money. So the, the T signs, we charge $75 mm-hmm. and they write the check directly to, for that event, we raise money for children with diabetes, the conference. Um, so they just write a check directly to that. So we usually raise about $3,000 just on whole sponsors, water station sponsors. Somebody sponsors the DJ, so they pay for the DJ. Somebody sponsors the face painter. We sell shirts that day. That's where we really make the money. The $25 barely covers the mini golf and the lunch. Right. So, so you, so would you say then, I think what I'm hearing is, is that you, you raise a few thousand dollars for a charity, which is amazing, but you, is it more the advocacy? Do you, th- yes. like, there's more mm, about, there's as much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and people just keep coming back and they will tell me, I know more, I know about more about diabetes because of you and Maeve. Yeah, that's good. That's really cool. So like I said, I think I'm unique in the dollar perspective. It's not my ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, she was chosen for Children's Congress this past summer. Yeah, right. Um, and that was a whole new level of advocacy that I had really never been involved in before. Um, we had done the um, Remember Me campaign and met with one of our um, congressmen before, but never on this scale. Right. And I can say I liked knowing less about the political process. <laughs> I've done the go to the office and talk stuff a bunch of mm-hmm. times, but I I have to admit that every year when the Children's Congress thing comes up, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. It just it seems like I'm like oh, I got to travel somewhere and then oh, go it's do something. a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally underestimated how much work it would be, and for a six year old, it wasn't impactful. Okay. For yeah. an older kid, I think it would. Yeah. Uh, it would be much more impactful. I've heard people say that too. Like, oh, they're yeah. not—they're not quite old enough yet to appreciate not. what's happening. They're really not, and what's expected of them is great. Um, but it does make a tremendous—it does make a tremendous impact. So politically, though, and I, I, as you're saying it, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking there's probably a ton of value in having a little cute kid there, though. Like, right? Like you're trying to right. You're trying mm-hmm. to get people to look and go, oh. All right, let me pay attention to this. You, you know, yeah. you drag a 15-year-old boy in there with his, you know, I was going to say with his Game Boy in his hand, but that would, of course, then date me <laughs> 20 really years back. Himself, right, right. Yeah. But, but, you know, like who's a little disinterested and like, oh, my mom made me come to this thing. Um, you know, that's not that's not going to make a congressman go, oh, that's not a heartstring congressman moment. Right. Maeve comes no. rolling in in a pretty dress and her hair, and then yeah. they go, oh, that kid has diabetes? I didn't know it was like yeah. this. It, which is right. incredibly unfair. But from the advocacy side, I get it. Like you know I understand I mean? yeah. why they choose children as young as four. Yeah. Um, but the demands are great. But it had an impact. Uh, we had to make a video, a Children's Congress video, which was really hard if you're not good at that kind of thing, which I'm not. Um, and just in, in August, the Today Show reached out to us saying that they saw the Children's Congress video and they wanted to do... Um, a piece on Maeve. Oh, wow. So it makes a difference. And so that's happened already, hasn't it? That happened already, yeah. It, it just aired about two weeks ago on today.com. They came to our house for three days and kind of did a day in the life of type one and their family. And they have to say they did a really great job because we have done other media pieces where I felt like our message got skewed. Um, and that was really hard to see. This one was really great, and it has over three million views. So we feel like, yeah, even though out. the Children's Congress was so hard, something so good came, came of it. Yeah, I, I think that if for those of you who write in and are like, ask people about their advocacy. I think what you're hearing Megan say is that first of all, you should do what you're good at. 
you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't aim for something that's not in your wheelhouse because that's a, a a sure way to failure. Absolutely, and it doesn't have to. You don't have to raise a lot of money right. to make a difference. Right, and there, and you'll make a difference in ways you probably can't yeah. imagine as you're setting it up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I feel like our community feels so good rallying around someone from the community. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, it, like I say, you know, I have to be careful. Like, I, I'll say sometimes, like, you know, the blog in the beginning was just me, like, you know, saying, hey, this is this is my life. Your life must be like this, too. And that I didn't see a I, I never want people to think I didn't see a lot of value in that. I think there's a ton of value in community and just the knowledge that there are people out there living the same life as you. It's a huge component to it. I always just wanted to be clear that I just wanted to, I wanted to do more than that. Like, like I just, because I always say like, you know, that that's a nice feeling like you're not alone, but at two in the morning when your kid's blood sugar is 46 and it's falling, you are sort of alone. You, you know what I mean? You like, are. yeah, yeah. Right. And so in that moment, I would like people to have tools, not, not just the, not the, not the invisible hand on their shoulder, just that. Like, I think all of it helps. Like the, the, the tools to get out of that 40 diagonal down and, and the feeling that I'm not the only person in the world so that when it's all over and you've, you've stopped it and, you know, not over treated and done all the things you were hoping to do when you get back in bed and you feel like you want to cry that you realize that's the time to realize you're not alone. Right. Like right then and there, like when it's happening, you need tools. Um, well, and the diabetes online community is pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. I don't know any other group like them, but in the hospital, they provided me so much comfort yes. and not having to actually speak to someone because I could barely speak at the time. Like I would just cry. Mm-hmm. So just being able to communicate with someone online um, and not having to hear a voice or them to hear how how weak I was at that time was just, just to be able to get real information. Someone tell me it's going to be okay. It was just. Huge. I'll tell you that one of the most, I think, impactful things that's ever been said to me is that the people in the hospital room during their diagnosis started listening to the podcast. Like, that's crazy. Like to me, like, like when you see somebody on a Facebook page and they're like, Hey, I have some questions and you recognize they're still in the hospital. You're like, yeah. wow, this community is so valuable. Like, like, yeah. you know, like look at them in that moment a reasonably savvy person with their cell phone can reach out and find a bunch of people who already know what they're going through. I know I'm in a group called diapers and diabetes and occasionally there'll be a post that'll say, you know, we're still in the ICU. My baby was just diagnosed, you know, a couple of days ago. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just is, but it, you're right. They're so savvy. But then at the same time, it makes you feel for people who don't have these tools, you know, who don't have the educational level, don't have access to these tools. Who are they? Who are they? Who's helping them? Now, it's why I'm working to get the podcast out into the real world. I really want to go to children's hospitals and talk to newly diagnosed families the way we talk on the podcast. Because, like, so you and I haven't really talked about nuts and bolts diabetes stuff, but I'll use an example of something that absolutely breaks my heart and makes me realize that if I fell too far down that rabbit hole, I'd never get out of it again. So this morning, I'm sitting here waiting to talk to you. And I see someone online, they put their Dexcom graph up and they said, oh, look at this, a cereal fail. You know, tried to mm-hmm. give their kids cereal. There's this giant spike. They're in the mid 300s now. No lie. 20 minutes later, I get something messaged to me from a mom who once contacted me and said, I just want to know how to give my kids cereal without their blood sugar going crazy. Mm-hmm. So she messages me this. Hey, I really have it now. Now I'm looking at a three hour graph of a blood sugar that has not deviated much from around 90 to 100. Like no wow. nothing, right? For three hours. The blood sugar is 105. She's an hour and a half into a bowl of cereal. And, and I'm just going to, like, you know, one time, I'm just going to go out and say, she did that with the tools I gave her. So she did not know what she was doing beforehand, and I helped her do it, and now she can do it by herself. But when I see that other person who's on that, that place. And I see, I, I think, Oh, I should contact them. I could help them. But then right. I realize that every one of those posts, you can find somebody in that. And you're like, Oh, I, that person just needs to know this, or this person right. just needs to know that and you can't, I can't spend my whole life doing that. And I still wouldn't be touching enough people. I'd just be touching them. And which is why we're doing this now. It's why we talk about it so honestly here. And, and, 
then I realize it's reaching more people. That at least makes me feel a little better. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. a weird, it's a weird thing to describe to people who maybe don't understand. But, um, it, it, once you've helped one person, then 10 doesn't feel like enough. And once you find 10, a hundred doesn't feel like enough. And once you find a hundred, a thousand doesn't feel like enough. And, and that's sort of how it goes. Yeah. How yeah. I feel most of the time. There was a little girl diagnosed the same day as me. She was three years old. Her mom was a single mom and hadn't graduated high school. And I think about that little girl often and I wonder, is she on the pump? Does she have a CGM? She probably doesn't have all these benefits that that Maeve has. And so sometimes when I'm feeling sorry for Maeve, I have to think about how many advantages she truly does have. Well, and I'll tell you what, too, to your point about like your advocacy touches things you don't expect it to. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was spoke, speaking to a woman on the phone who could have been that woman, you know, uh, not very well educated, uh, mm-hmm. kid was young, single mom, didn't know what to do. And I started talking to her and I realized that when I started using any kind of math, like it just, the conversation got derailed. She, mm-hmm. she's the one that helped me talk about, like she helped me find a way to talk about this without any specifics. Okay. And, and just the other day, again, on Facebook, I, I got tagged in something and I went and looked and this person said, oh, this is where I always think about what Scott says about carpet bombing with basal rates. And I'm like, oh, my God, did I say that at some point? Yeah. <laughs> like, Did I make some bizarre? And then I stopped and thought about it. I'm like, oh, I was trying in that moment to convey to people about how I like to have a good, strong basil spread out over the entire war of the pizza. And I yeah. think I said carpet bomb. And I was like, huh. Like it I because now I search for ways to say things in such right. like like simple, understandable mm-hmm. terms where you don't need to understand the math or you don't even need to understand diabetes to get the idea of I, I mean at this point, Megan, when somebody asks me, like if 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 I had a choice a chance to talk to somebody today who was trying to deal with a, a serial spike, I would say I would say to them, look, you have to try to imagine a tug of war between the carbs and the insulin. And your goal is for neither of them to win. As a matter of fact, the, the flag in the middle of the, the rope, we don't even want it to move. We just want them to both start pulling at the same time and for them to both get tired and stop pulling at the same time and for the rope to have never gone in one way or the other. Um, like That's your goal. You're trying to time the insulin's effectiveness against the carbs effectiveness and and right. you can get them embroiled in a fight that, that neither of them win and and you know then talk about why that pre-bullishing becomes important and how you have to understand how insulin works if you don't understand how the insulin works you're never going to get through this situation and blah 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 and before you know it i've described this incredibly complex kind of thing in a really not complex way and Right. And some people are never going to go the scientific route. They're right. not going to, they're not ever going to be comfortable there. So if you can't give it to them in layman's terms, then they're never going to be successful. And it also doesn't help that often. Sometimes the, the carb, I mean, listen, I'll tell you right now, I don't count carbs ever, mm-hmm. never, ever. I just, I look and I go, that's going to take about that much. And if right. I'm wrong, then I put on more. And if I'm right. wrong, if I'm wrong the other way, then I cut back basal rates or add a little bit of juice or whatever it ends up having right. to happen. I wouldn't begin to know how to take care of somebody's diet. You were sugar surfing before it was cool. Well, well but apparently before I, and I, I joke about it all the time, like I, I still at this point had, a, had someone not told me to talk to Dr. Ponder. I wouldn't know what the heck anyone was talking about when they say sugar surfing, because that's the other kind of oddity about me maybe is that, and maybe it's not, maybe, maybe you feel this too, but. I'm so busy doing this, I don't really have any time to consume it from other people. Right. You know, know, and so my, uh, I used to feel like, oh gosh, like maybe I should take more time for myself to see what's going on out there. But then I realized these conversations were doing the same thing for me. So it it ended up being cool. So we are now 55 minutes in. um, Okay. And so I I think now's a great time if you have any, um, inspirational kind of cheerleading Mm. things you want to say to people who want to be advocates and don't know how, because that, how do they start? I guess is like, how would you start right now? If you had to start again, what would you say to people who want to get going? Well, the the best advice I think my dad ever gave me was just ask the worst they can say is no. And I have learned it's not so bad to get a no. You don't break into a million pieces. This is how Um, I married my wife, by the way. She was way way out of my league. I was like, what's she going to do? Say no? Whatever. I'll try. (laughs) You outkicked your coverage, Oh, I Oh, my God. I I completely ruined her life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then once you set the framework and you've asked 
once. Um, actually, the next years get easy. I just send out a message kind of saying like, um, it's that time of year again. We're fundraising for a cure for type 1 diabetes for Maeve. Um, was wondering if you'd be willing to participate again. And I'm going to say 98 out of 100 times people say yes. That's cool. And then oftentimes they'll refer me to someone else who might be willing to make a donation. Um, so I would start small. That's number one. Number two, so it's not so overwhelming, is if you have a couple other type ones in your town or um, or in your area, join your teams together um, and you can do something bigger and then not all of responsibility falls on one person. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, that, and then you just kind of divide everything up and you're just all one big happy team. Um, and just... Look for places that you already use. The restaurant where we have this event, we we patronize there. The mini golf place, we we go there. And um, and don't discount that you're helping them because I had to be reminded of that before. The the night of our event at the restaurant, there's far more people there than normally would be, mm-hmm. and so you cannot discount what you're bringing to the table too. Um, at the mini golf event, we have over a hundred golfers come that day. They would not normally have 100 golfers on Martin Luther King Day. So you have value, too, and you're bringing something to the table. So it's not just a take relationship. You're giving, too. And I always have to remind myself of that. Yeah, you're probably giving more than you think because those businesses are now have visibility to a bunch of people they didn't have visibility to before. People they couldn't reach. You reach them. And people have warm feelings about them because they're doing something nice. So, yeah, I always use the – when I'm – when I'm talking to the people who, who, um, you know, buy ads on the podcast, I'm like, you know, you don't have to do anything. Like I'll talk about how I manage Arden's diabetes and you'll get the bright sunshine of the people who paid so that they can hear it. Like it's not, you know, like it's, you don't really need to do anything. We don't really need to talk about you other than the fact that you, and I, and I genuinely mean this, your kindness led to my ability to say this. And if somebody heard it and was and feels value in it, well, then you know you should know who why it's here, like who who you know who the founder of the feast is, basically, for the lack yeah. of a better term. And and don't don't discount gratitude either. I should say that I um, get a picture made up of Maeve and have her sign it and send it to every single person who donates. And I see them hanging in the businesses that donate. People say, "I got the picture of Maeve." Um, People really appreciate that written token of of mm, gratitude. Yeah. No, no, and it, I think that's been it a secret to success as well. Good for you. Well, well, you are a treasure trove of knowledge, and you were just delightful to talk about uh, oh, talk talk to uh, about diabetes. Anyway, I appreciate you doing this. People need to know Megan was uh, not comfortable uh, coming on the podcast. I I, no. I hunted her down through uh, through through back channels, and then she's like, "What?" And then I made her talk to me on the phone, and then she was like, "What's happening here?" And we did it. Yeah, and we did we, a Skype dry run. We did a Skype test last night, which went terribly. Thank you. Yeah. It was very good. We it was very good that we did it beforehand, um, but. Luckily, it all worked out, and and to whoever uh, said I can't remember now, um, I'll have to figure out when I'm editing it who who uh, who was like you have to have Megan on. Yeah, please go. let me know. Yeah, well, so she I can say thanks, so I can send them a picture. Thank well, you. Well, how about that? <laughs> apparently, if you're listening, it, you can program the podcast yourself if you want to. Just uh, <laughs> just send me a note that I I go okay to, and then that's sort of the end of it. Well, Megan, I um. I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time talking with me. And uh, I just, uh, you know, uh, what's your, what's the Facebook? How do I find the Facebook page? Um, Just Brave Maeve, facebook.com backslash Brave Maeve. Spell Maeve. M-A-E-V-E. Okay. I sentenced her to a lifetime of torture. People call her Maeve. Oh, do they? That's the Or Mauve. Mauve? Mauve. Oh, she's going to get mauve at some point, too, then. If if people are just going to skip over those letters, they'll be willing to skip over the V at some point. Right. Uh, Well, I... I would leave my Facebook address here, but you people will never go and follow me, so I'm not even doing it. Just go follow follow Megan. Forget it. (laughs) Thank you so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. Thank you to Megan for coming on and being so inspirational about her advocacy. I hope she gave you some ideas you'll try. To all the people who follow Megan on Facebook... Subscribe to the podcast. Come on, find a podcast app that you like. They're everywhere. If you have an iPhone, it's right on your phone now. It's called Podcast. Hey, real quick, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox for the link in your show notes, dexcom.com 
forward slash juice box with a link in your show notes. I hope you have a really happy holiday season. I don't think I'm going to put out a podcast around Christmas, although you guys get new phones and wouldn't it be nice to have a podcast to listen to? All right, I'll think about it. I'm not sure. One way or the other, there'll be another one coming up pretty soon. Bold with insulin t-shirts or juiceboxpodcast.com. What else? I really got, guys, it's the end of the year. I really appreciate that you're listening the way you are and you're sharing. You know, please subscribe if you're not a subscriber. I can see that over 85% of you who listen are subscribers, which I really appreciate. Those other 15%, come on, get a podcast app, subscribe. What are you doing? But seriously, this has been another great year on the podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the interviews. I hope you've enjoyed the insight. I hope that you've been getting rid of your fear and finding a way to be bold with insulin. I just love hearing from you guys in the emails and the messages. It warms my heart every time. I hope you guys have continued success and I wish you some happy new year, low A1Cs. When the show starts back up in January of 2018, it will be three years old. Can you believe that? I, I kind of can't, but it's because of you guys. I wouldn't have gone on this long if you didn't listen and if you didn't share. I really appreciate it. And to all of you who have been going on and giving likes and reviews on iTunes recently, hey, thank you so much. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year. I'll talk to you really soon.